Hi guys, uh, the episode that you're just about to listen to is generously sponsored by our affiliates, Board Game Crate. Board Game Crate uh, provide a monthly subscription service where they get fresh new games delivered straight to your door. Just head over to www.boardgamecrate.co.uk and furthermore, if you use our discount code UnluckyFrogIsAwesome, all lowercase, all one word, you'll get a cheeky little discount. It's easy to remember because it's true. Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Porter, joined by my co-host, Charlotte Porter. Hello. And joining us this week on the podcast, we have game designer Joe Hopkins, who's currently working on Endangered. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about Endangered mm-hmm. uh, in detail a little bit later on in the show and the, the process and the influences behind that. But... We, we do have a bit of news, mm-hmm. don't we? We do have some news coming up, there's, yeah. There's always stuff happening in the world, and uh, in the world of games, apparently. Yep. So yep. It's a busy, busy world. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, first things first, um, Adepticon is on in full swing right, at the yeah. moment. I, well, by the time this launches, it'll be winding down. Um, uh, are you familiar at all with Adepticon, Joe? No, I'm not. Tell me about it. No, so it's a it is a convention. Uh, I guess, well, it started out as a tournament for um, like Warhammer Forty K and uh, okay. the other games, Workshop games, and as is inevitable with these sorts of things, it's grown arms and legs mm-hmm. over the years. So it, it is, it's this weird sort of hybrid of like a tournament and a, a trade show, um, but it, it's predominantly for um, the games, Workshop games. It runs in Chicago every year. And um, uh, Games Workshop have taken the opportunity to reveal a slew oh, yes. of new content. Um, I think what we'll probably do is we'll we'll we'll, we'll quickly rattle through what they've done, but <laughs> we'll go through it in more detail in an article or maybe in a, a special episode because there was loads. But um... well, I would also like to point out that Ben set his alarm this morning so that he could get up yeah. to get the big reveal <laughs> to listen in to what. <laughs> What was coming out? Well, it it was on it was in midwestern <laughs> yeah. time, right? So they they revealed it at like two o'clock in the morning for us. <laughs> so so yeah, as soon as I got up, I was like jumped out of bed and went to check what the new reveals were. <laughs> so uh, my beloved Fire Slayers are getting yes, a new battle tome. They are. Woo! Um, Slanesh is back yes. with a brand new, new track. track. Yeah. Yep. The uh, God of Decadence and Debauchery. Yes. Slanesh Hedonites yeah. or something like that, or Hedonites of Slanesh, yeah. something like that. Um, what else? They showed some more details for Warcry, which is a new skirmish game that's coming out, and Forbidden, uh, Power. Forbidden Powers for Age of Sigmar and uh, 40k uh, Apocalypse. The 40, Apocalypse. The, I almost had a rabid mob of 40k fans beating down my door there, but yeah. <laughs> Loads and loads of stuff, yeah. uh, just to quickly cover that off. Well, um, we'll address this we'll, in we'll, detail. We'll address it in more detail, do more of a breakdown, because there was a lot. Yes. Um, 
But uh, in other news, uh, there's a couple of Kickstarters yes, uh, probably yeah. worth mentioning. Yeah. Uh, first of those is Weta. That's Weta Workshop, who probably most well known for their work on Lord of the Rings, but they, they've done like special effects and, and makeup and props for loads and loads of films. Um, they've started doing board games as well. Mm. Um, and most recently, they've taken to Kickstarter to launch a District 9 board yeah. game. I, I have seen District 9. I haven't seen the game, so that's yeah. interesting. From, from what I'd seen in the, the comments, and I know the comments is like the, the sort of internet equivalent of looking under a rock these days, <laughs> but, uh, but there was quite a, there were quite a few people that were of the opinion, like of, of all of the IPs that Weta have worked on, why District 9? Yeah. And I suppose that there's maybe a little bit of merit to that argument because I don't think District 9 did so well in the box office, mm-hmm. from what I can recall, yeah, no. I've not seen it. I don't know. It's a I've weird film, it. though, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> yeah, because it, but it, it's quite an interesting way of um, of highlighting the the sort of institutionalized racism, mm, you know, right. using the 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 way that the aliens yeah are maligned. I, it is an odd choice for a board game, but at the same time, I think they're going for a sort of rising sun uh, blood rage style thing where you've got different factions vying mm. for control of the district so and the the miniatures and everything look really neat yeah. i don't think it's doing too well at the moment though okay which i was quite surprised about it's got 20 days to go and i think it's about 39 percent funded okay usually the first day and the last day of a kickstarter are uh the ones that bring in the most money so if they're only at 39 yeah. percent so far yeah, it's, they need some more help. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's it's worth a look. It looks like a great game, and mm. you know, like anything that Weta do, it's the you know, it's look it looks extremely polished. Yeah. You know what what they've shown of it so far. Um, so fingers crossed that they make it with that one because it'd be pretty neat to to see it out in the wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess I'm a little surprised that a, a company look at they're, they're a heavyweight, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. It, it's weird to see something like that happen um other kickstarter news oceans tell us a bit about oceans charlotte well, i didn't know that evolution was a series yeah evolution was a standalone game it's, but it's happening all the time you know <laughs> indeed it is indeed it is uh, yes so evolution has a new i don't know new iteration, new iteration i guess yeah. episode um, all themed around the ocean yeah so i haven't had a chance to look at it myself uh-huh. But um, I'm quite keen to see. It looks absolutely yeah. stunning. I mean, the irrespective of what you think of the way that the evolution titles play, mm. the the artwork is spot on. I think. Have Have you had a look at Oceans yet, Joe? I did look at the artwork. Um, uh, I didn't realize. So, is it an expansion or is it uh, a separate game? So, from what I understand, um. The Evolution series is a series of standalone games. Okay, I think they I think they do have some mechanics and things yeah. in, in common. Um, but the likes of Oceans, that's obviously going to be a completely different ecosystem, yeah. right? And there's yes. going to be some different mechanics because it's marine life. Whereas I I have only played the the original yeah. Evolution, which is just like uh, 
guess you would call it like plains animals or something like that. Yeah. It's Land that kind animal. of idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, as someone that's always been quite fascinated by like sea creatures and the things of the deep, but it's it's nice to see them uh, having a go at that because they they always go for this really trippy, surreal looking art. Yeah, but but they they use like anatomy of real creatures, so it's still yeah. relatable. It's not too alien, but it's got a nice psychedelic yeah. vibe to it. What I'm excited for is the names of the animals because <laughs> I know that I, it took us a while to realize yeah. what was happening. Is that um so on the instruction sheets at the back it gives you depending on the traits you play, yeah. it'll tell you what your animal could be named. But we didn't yeah. realise that there's two methods of doing it. So yeah, one so of them... there's, the, there's the very serious and proper Latin names. Yeah. And then there's the ridiculous ones. Because I was like, why Why are you so good when mine's called Pokey Sleepy? <laughs> 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 so you obviously had the... Um, there was one that was really bizarre. It was like Nom Nom... Nom nom pointy or something. It yes, was called. you and I owner were using them, and then like you know, <laughs> Mark and I had like Indominus Rex and all these really badass sounding yeah. animals. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. But you know, it's that that game, um, Oceans, the the yes. most recent one, uh, has been very successful in Kickstarter. I think it's something crazy like nine hundred and fifty percent funded. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it, it's clear that um, those are quite a popular. Yeah. Uh, series of games, but I, I was saying, I was saying to you just before I came on the show, Joe, that there, there seems to be a bit of a trend at the moment, uh, certainly with regards to theming games to towards the sort of oceanic things. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I've noticed uh, there have been quite a few games that have come out recently having to do with nature and having to do with conservation. Uh, Spirit Island was last year, or the year before. Uh, mm-hmm. There's um, Ocean Crisis is on Kickstarter right now. That's right, yeah. Uh, and then there was a there was like a polar bear saving game. Uh, my game Endangered is going to be coming to Kickstarter April second. So yeah, and and you see this uh, happen not just with this kind of game, but like all across uh, the gaming industry. There's trends that come and go. Uh, we were we're just wrapping up like a. Uh, roll and write trend where everybody was putting out yeah. roll and write yeah. games. Yeah. I mean, they're still coming out. Um, but, uh, I mean, deck builders like that, that, that trend was kicked off by dominion and then there's tons of deck builders. And again, those are still coming out too, but you see yeah. that happen often. Um, so right now, yeah, we're, uh, we're in a nature trend, which is great. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It's quite a nice. I, yeah. I mean, in. I, I, I was one of those weird kids that kept all sorts of strange animals growing yes. up. I had um, I had firebelly toads, uh, tree green tree frogs. I had an anole at one point. Oh wow! And I had um, I had a, all sorts of different fantail mm-hmm. fish. So, yeah. And you I, want to get a mudkip at some point? Um, yeah, and that is to say, it was an axolotl, That's not it. not an I can't actual remember mudkip. What it's called. Just yeah. called mudkip. Yeah. No, I, I, I yeah. So it's it's <laughs> I like animal themed things so. I'm uh, well and truly in my my element at the moment with the, this uh, particular gaming I think as trend. Well, it does show a consciousness on what's going on at the moment. Yeah, it is very. It's a very current theme. It's a very current affair of what's going on, especially you know looking at endangered species, looking at you know pollution in general, looking at what's going on. So I think it's a very conscientious 
theme. Yeah, it's very relevant to the world right now. It's you're not building an ancient city or building, you know, a space station in the future. It's it's happening right now. It's relevant. It's you know timely. Yeah, yeah. it's ta- it's tangible, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 So, do do you think that there there's been a, a catalyst for this trend? Or do you think it's just one of these things where someone does it and then everyone's like, oh, people like that. I'm going to do that. Because I think um, Ian McAllister had mentioned a while back that there's almost like a one-year lead time on uh, on like trends within the games industry. So mm-hmm. when Mad Max was out in the cinema, about a year after that, you saw quite a few sort of post-apocalyptic yeah. type games. Do, do you What do you think has precipitated this been the catalyst this um i'm not trend. sure i i think it's mostly coincidence in this particular case I, I can't think of anything that really kicked it off i've been designing endangered for uh three years now and it was um i i wanted to do a cooperative game and i looked at what kind of themes i could do that were relevant to right now and uh i think it was um, kind of there was an empty space there that niche hadn't been filled and so a lot of people kind of tried to fill it I guess uh, but yeah. yeah you see this kind of overlap happen in the game industry I actually designed a game called Olympus that was my first game I designed uh, and then okay. a game called Olympus came out and then I was like that's fine I'll change my game to Pantheon and then a game called Pantheon came out <laughs> so, yeah, it's that an element of it is it's really just zeitgeist, isn't it? Yeah. It's that a lot of people have quite similar ideas or in yeah. the same time, and it's yeah. not necessarily people are directly copying one another. Yeah. No, it's just one of those weird things, yeah. that, one of those bizarre little mysteries. Yes. But uh, so last couple of bits of news to cover off. Um, Doomseeker is out now. Yes. Yeah, so I've ma- I managed to shoehorn dwarfs back into, back the, into the podcast this. somehow. Yeah, so for so, anyone that doesn't know, Ben is a yeah. massive Games Workshop fanboy. Yeah, I'm a huge nerd. <laughs> um, so Do- Doom Seeker is a card game where you are a dwarf slayer, and you need to try and get the coolest death. Oh, so are you slaying dwarves, or are you a sl- you're a dwarf? No, you right. Okay, so so dwarf slayers. This is me getting my nerd on now. Yeah. Get to, what have you done, Joe? What have you done? So, so in in the Warhammer Old World setting, a dwarf slayer is a dwarf who has uh, committed a crime or has has been burdened with some incredible shame that's too much for him to bear, and so in order to atone for his crimes, he gives up all of his worldly possessions takes up an axe and he shaves his head into like a big orange mohawk so that everyone knows that he's taken the slayer's oath and then he goes out to to find the an honorable death in uh in mortal combat so it's one of these weird things that the most powerful slayers are also bizarrely the least successful ones because they haven't died yet. Yeah. Because, (laughs) because they're dwarfs, they can't just go out and, you know, get run over by a bus or something. They need to, to die an honorable death against a worthy opponent. So that's what doom seekers, just the the card game where you're, you're playing out uh, your dwarf seeking his honorable death. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. 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 
Um, and then the last piece is, um, I, I feel obligated to do this for Tom Mannering because yes. we we talked about deck builders earlier. Are you a fan of Legendary at all, Joe? Um, I've played it a little bit. Uh, I haven't played okay. a ton. Right, just so I know whether or not I'm about to offend you with what I'm <laughs> no, going to go say ahead. next. So that's <laughs> the, yeah. I hate Legendary. Yes, you do. But it has a huge following. Uh, Tom loves it. You're quite a fan. Yes. Uh, I think Josh quite likes it. So a lot of people will be pleased to hear that they are changing up the distribution model yeah. for Legendary. So rather than doing, I think it was that they were doing multiple expansions for Legendary throughout the year at $20 a piece. What they're doing is they're going to lump them all together into one box with hundreds of cards in it for thirty dollars. Makes sense. So it it's albeit I'm not invested in that game, it's encouraging to see that the the publishers have decided to release the game in a format that's a bit friendlier on yeah. your wallet because those. Uh, like living card games and deck builders and all that, they can really grow arms and yeah. legs with all the expansions and things. They can be quite hard to keep abreast of. Well, we found that with um, Arkham Horror. Oh, yeah. Do you do you play any living card games or anything like that, Joe? No, I ha I want to get into uh, um, Arkham Horror. I've heard really good things about that oh, one. Oh, yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah. It, It's very good, but at the same time, We've went through a bit of a lull with it, yeah. to be honest, because it it's one of these things that you start playing it, and then you see the sheer amount of like clam packs and core sets yeah. that that are ahead of you, and you feel a wee bit daunted. Whenever we do start playing it again, we go in. Oh, you get suckered right back in. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there is that thing where you're like, "Am I ready to give my life to this? I don't quite know at this moment in time." Give my life. <laughs> Am I ready to take the Arkham vow? That's <laughs> what it's a bit like, yeah. No one's ever ready Nobody, for that. No, no one's no. ever ready. Um, but so, it's well worth looking into. Yeah, um, it's a great game. great game. But yeah, there you go. So Upper, upper Deck, <laughs> uh, it's, it's good to see them taking a step in a positive direction, especially in this day and age where everyone's a little bit cynical about, you know, profiteering. The motivation like behind yeah. things, yeah. Yeah, so... That's the news. Woo. Let's talk about Joe's game. Yes. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about Endangered. I mean, you've, you've told us a little bit, but like really unpack it for yeah, us. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Endangered is coming to Kickstarter April 2nd. Uh, Endangered is a cooperative game where the players play as conservationists trying to save a species from extinction. So uh, it's a dice placement game. Uh, during the game, the players are going to place their workers, their dice, on different actions like uh, cleaning up deforestation and pollution, uh, moving the animals around, and uh, influencing like the UN. Um, and whenever you place a die on an action, it blocks that action uh, from the other players like a normal worker placement game, except other people can still take that action as long as their dice are higher than the dice that you've placed. So okay. if you if you roll really low, then you're not blocking anyone. Um, if you roll really high, then uh, you have to be careful about blocking actions that other players need. Since uh, it's cooperative and you, you want to help each other, you don't want to get in each other's way. Um, so it's a twist on worker placement. Um, the base game 
uh, will have tigers and sea otters. Um, and so it's two different scenarios. Uh, one of the stretch goals will be the panda scenario. And then we have a, a stretch goal for the sea turtles scenario. So um, yeah, lots of really exciting things uh, happening. We're, um, we're finalizing things and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Coincidentally, they are all animals. I think that everyone loves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. I think if if you don't like any of those animals, there's probably something wrong with you. <laughs> was it um Chris Packham? I think that that said that we should all just let pandas die out. <laughs> there there are some conservationists that think that pandas are uh, a difficult species to um, keep alive. Uh, yeah, when I was doing research on all of these different animals and the threats that they face, um, each animal has one or two like major threats, major things that are, uh, causing problems and pandas have quite a few. So, um, but, uh, (laughs) but actually, um, I started designing endangered when pandas were still classified as endangered. Uh, and they are no longer classified as endangered. Um, uh, so we're keeping the scenario, though, um, as, a, what, <laughs> as a, what I'm calling a celebration of, you know, all the work that conservationists have done to uh, help these animals. Uh, they're also a still a conservation-dependent species, so... But, I mean, like you say, it's actually, it works out quite nicely for the game that that one of the species can serve as uh, an example. There's a happy ending there. This is what you want to achieve. You can save these animals, yeah. Um, So when I've I've read a little bit about the game and you've got interactions with the the UN and then you're you're managing the the population levels of this species, um, does endangered share similarities with with other crisis managements currently on the market like i guess like a lot of people might equate it with pandemic yeah whenever you make a cooperative game you're going to get compared to pandemic which is <laughs> which is fine which is uh which is okay um it has the same uh game time it has the same um level of interaction between the players discussing and cooperating so there's no hidden information there's no um, like uh, secret alliances or anything like that. You, it is strictly cooperative. Um, that being said, um, there's not a lot of similarities in terms of like moving your guys around the map and cleaning things up. Um, I would call uh, Pandemic more of like a cooperative area control game. Uh, and this is a cooperative uh worker placement game but yeah so it's um you're still working to save the world save the save the animals this time uh and actually uh when you so when you play this game people get very upset when the tigers have to be removed from the board they're like no i don't want to kill these tigers uh even though you know it's not a real tiger it's just a little piece of wood but people get really mad at me um, when you play pandemic and you know you lose uh, the whole you know human populations wiped out and everyone's like ah it's fine <laughs> there's something about um about animals in yeah. particular that just gets the people yeah isn't it's there? a very emotional game I really like the theme of it I really like what you're going for and I'm just curious actually was did the theme come first is that what sparked your interest or was it that 
you had a mechanic in mind and the theme came later um it was it was both at the same time kind of mm -hmm. which is which is not really answering your question but um <laughs> yeah so i have been designing games for 10 years and mm -hmm. uh, during most of that time i said i don't want to do a cooperative game it's going to take a lot of work it's going to take a lot of balance um because you know with a normal competitive game if one player is in the lead and they're taking off you can usually rely a little bit as a designer on the other players uh not allowing that um not always but yeah. you know you don't want to just let one person win uh but in a cooperative game you the designer and the game have to make sure that that game is close um so anyway so for seven years i did not make a co-op and i finally said you know what i'm gonna make a co-op uh and i should have done it sooner <laughs> I, yeah. uh, I got a contract with grand gamers guild and um pretty much what i said was i would like to do a theme that is current it's relevant to the players i want the players to see themselves in this game um and so the theme i hit on and then the mechanic that I used, uh, which is worker placement, um, I kind of smashed them together. I said, I like worker placement games. I'm going to smash it together with uh, this theme. And um, at the start, the theme was kind of pasted on. I liked the theme, but um, over time, the theme and the gameplay have just really interwoven to the point where they're, you know, it, it makes sense. The theme yeah. drives the mechanics, yeah. and the mechanics drive the theme, which is the which is what you want. So, yeah. oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that perfect little marriage. Because we have played games where the, there's not been that synchronicity, and it's or, a bit or there's more even this quite a common thing with with games where you could just like skim the theme off yeah. the top and slap something yeah. else over it, and it really wouldn't function yeah. that differently at all. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. everybody's played those. So. I've, I've oh, yeah. designed at least one or two. <laughs> <laughs> confessions of a game designer yeah. um so so I, I guess one of the other questions that that you have to ask when when you're talking about designing a cooperative game is that one of the big turnoffs for cooperative games is that um very often you can end up with one player quarterbacking um is that something that you were mindful of during the design process and how do you work around that? Yeah, so that is something that I tried to be very mindful of. Um, it's not something that has been completely illuminated, um, but yeah. anyone who designs a cooperative game has to address that. Uh, some cooperative games do an excellent job um, at you know saying there's limited information or uh, it's a real-time game where that alpha player doesn't have time to tell everyone what to do. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, there are other cooperative games that don't address it. Um, Pandemic is one where that alpha player can just tell you what to do every single turn. Um, so actually, yeah. I, I played uh, Endangered with um, the designer for Sentinels of the Multiverse, which is another cooperative game that I love. And he gave me some really good feedback. He said, you know, okay. you you can address the alpha player quarterback issue um, without actually eliminating it. Uh, and one way you can do that is make sure that your players have a role. They have something that they're good at. And then mm -hmm. that kind of drives the direction of their play on their turn. 
And so, yes, the alpha player can say, well, you should do this, but it's a little more obvious that I'm the zoologist. I'm good at dealing with the animals. That's what I should be focused on. Um, I'm the lobbyist, and so I should be focused on helping get the UN ambassadors agreeing to help the species. So, um, so yeah, each player plays as a specific conservationist with their own abilities and their own deck. Um, yeah. And so, you know, usually your turn, you, you know, you roll your dice and you can, you can do any of these actions, but usually it boils down to three or four actions that you have available and it ends up generating a lot of conversations of which of these three or four actions should I be taking? Uh, mm -hmm. and it, um, uh, the dice itself, the dice themselves actually also help with that. Um, previously it was just a worker placement game where you just place your workers and that alpha player could actually plan out three or four turns ahead of time. Sure. Uh, now, since uh, the dice are in the game and it's dice placement, uh, you don't know what you're going to roll next turn. So you can definitely decide, you know, what's optimal this turn. Uh, yeah. but, oh, don't block that because I don't know what I'm going to roll next time. Um, it, there's a little bit more randomness. That was a suggestion from the publisher, which was really great. Yeah. yeah. So if you go onto the, the Grand Gamer Guild website, there's a, a little bit of a preview of Endangered and there's some examples of, of artwork for the game. Like in particular, my favorite picture is the one of the, the sea otters. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So how much interaction did you have with the, the artists uh, during the, the design process? Yeah, so the artists did a really good job. Uh, the artists were Beth Sobel and Ben Flores. Uh, and yeah, the game looks amazing. Um, I had spent a lot of time researching the different threats that these animals faced. And so um, I uh, tried to make sure that I had some example pictures that they could go off of based on those threats. Um, and, and we wanted to, it was, it was a difficult line to walk with the artist because we didn't want the game to be too cartoony, uh, but we also don't want it to necessarily be too realistic. Like we don't want to see like dead animals on these cards. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, making sure that the art was tasteful was uh, a, uh, a difficult thing for them. And, and I think they did an amazing job. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it definitely, it, it radiates warmth, but it, the, the animals are all immediately recognizable as what they are. Whereas, you know, we, we talked about oceans earlier on, they, they sort of pseudo mythical yeah. animals, but um, endangered, it's, oh, that's an otter, yeah. but it's portrayed in quite a stylized yeah. artistic way. When you, you've talked a couple of times about the different threats uh, facing these, these species. Um, I mean, the, the, the obvious ones being uh, hunting, and uh, in environmental destruction um is do you feel a responsibility as someone who's producing games to to sort of carry the torch as it were with regards to sustainability in games with components and that sort of thing yeah so the environment has always been a passion of mine it's part of the reason why i chose this theme um but yeah it's something that I've been trying to teach to my son, like making sure that we leave the earth um, the way that we left it or better. Um, so, yeah, uh, we've talked about like components and how to make sure that we're, we're being responsible. Um, uh, Grand Gamers Guild is going to be donating money to a 
conservation group. Um, if you go on Board Game Geek and for every thumbs up you give to the pictures, the art, uh, we, he's going to give a dollar um, to the Center for Biological Diversity. And we have a partnership with them. Okay. Um, they're actually, there's actually going to be a pledge level where they can, the, the, the um, people pledging on the game can purchase a copy for the Center of Biological Diversity to give a copy to uh, an education group or a school. So yeah, we're um, trying to make sure it, that we're, we're being responsible. Uh, so the board's going to be double-sided and the pieces are going to be double-sided. And yeah, so um, I'm, yeah. I think it's still going to be shrink-wrapped. Not anything I can do about that. No, I mean, you get, you can't win them no. all, but we, we do what we can with what People we have. People like to open we? the shrink-wrap. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it feel new. You know it's yeah. new. You know, it's in the it sort of keeps it all together yeah. as well, doesn't it? Because it would yeah. go all over the place yeah. otherwise. But you know, it's, I think I think you can actually make um, shrink wrap from like plant based materials now. Mm. Don't quote me on that, but I think I think there's some. If not, we should develop it. No, I'm I'm fairly certain that there is some yeah. some way of yeah. making that now. I mean, because we we talked a while back on the podcast about how Lego are exploring yeah. plant based plastics yeah. for for all of their kits. I think they actually made a, a pledge to have them all yeah. made from uh, plant-derived plastics. Yeah. Uh, I think it was by 2020 or something mm. like that. It was quite a an imminent date, yeah. you know. But it's um, a subject for another podcast, yes. I think. could yes. talk about that in quite in-depth. But um, be, before we wrap up, Joe, for people that are interested in endangered uh, and maybe want to acquire a copy themselves, where do they need to go? Uh, so it's going to be on Kickstarter April 2nd through April 26th. And then after that, you can go to grandgamersguild.com. Uh, you can sign up for their newsletter or uh, pre-order from there. Um, you can also reach out to me and I'll direct you where you need to go. So I'm on Twitter at Average Joe Games, A-V-G Joe Games. Joe, thank you very much for, for joining us on yeah, the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah, looking forward to seeing him endangered on a tabletop yes. in the future. Yes. Yeah. And for all of our listeners, wherever you are, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> Oh, my God.